0: This is the podcast of the California Institute of Integral Studies, where each week we bring you conversations and lectures from our public program's live events, featuring world-renowned scholars, leaders, authors, artists, and thinkers. In this episode, artificial intelligence engineer Laura Montoya is joined by TechCrunch diversity reporter Megan Rose Dickey to explore the role of gender in artificial intelligence and how it impacts society. This event was recorded on March 22nd, 2018 in front of a live audience in San Francisco. To make sure you never miss an episode of the CIIS Public Programs podcast, find us and subscribe on iTunes or on our website at ciis.edu slash podcast.
1: So I think we can probably start a little bit with um, our interest in artificial intelligence and give you guys a primer for why why we're here and um, why we wanted to talk about this subject and how you know kind of what it means to us. Um, so uh, Megan, maybe we can start out with you if um, you wouldn't mind sharing uh, some of your prior work um, as a technical journalist covering artificial intelligence. Um, you know why that's really meaningful to you and. Uh, why you want to share that with others?
2: Yeah, so I yeah, as as was read in my bio, I've been I've been covering technology for almost I don't know at least five years. It's kind of hard to keep track of time these days. I don't know why, but um, yeah, I I do a lot of work around diversity and inclusion, and that work has led me into artificial intelligence and this idea of algorithmic accountability and essentially why why that is why that idea is important is because when technology has become a part of our everyday lives whether it's amazon alexa whether it's siri whether it's google home like these devices are part of our everyday lives but the the people behind the scenes the people actually inputting the data to feed these algorithms to feed these artificially intelligent Devices are not diverse people. They it's predominantly men. It's predominantly white men, and that's how we end up in situations where there's like one, one good example, or there's actually, unfortunately, several good examples of um, of this going wrong. But um, the one I, I typically point to is when Google, for instance, um, there was there was someone who just like googled search. Searched Google for images of black people and um, it came up with gorillas and I mean It's it's things like that where it's it becomes very clear that it's important to have people from a diverse um, A diverse background in order to ensure like oh like are we feeding are we feeding this algorithm? accurate comprehensive images of of society as opposed to just one one type of person
1: Definitely, definitely, and I think for women, um, when you look at when you look at gender and the differences between men and women, and the similarities between men and women, um, it is also really important to make sure that artificial intelligence is representative of you know, both genders and inclusive also of non-traditional gender stereotypes as well. Um, How do you think that might be reflected um, within the scope of engineers developing these products? Um, Have you heard of any examples where um, AI was developed that wasn't necessarily representative of women um, or uh, potentially pointed out, like, bias within our society against women?
2: Yeah, there's that um, there's that MIT researcher, Joy B. I'm totally blanking on her last name. I know it's stripped with a B though. It's a
1: uh, Buluwam Wimmy. Okay,
2: thank you. Um, so she had this she had this cool project called Gender Shades. And it it essentially showed that that this that this particular algorithm was way better and more accurate at identifying the faces of men versus women, and even okay, and <laughs> even less accurate when identifying the faces of black women.
1: Yes. And why do you think that is? Do you think it's just like not enough images have been used in that data set specifically, or there aren't enough examples within the media um, that could be taken? Or do you remember how this specific algorithm was trained? Um
2: you know I don't remember exactly how it was trained but I would imagine that it didn't train it a diverse Um, the the data set was not diverse is what I would imagine right yeah
1: definitely yeah I think that that's a a major issue um, coming up in society over and over again Um, and a lot of people are currently talking about what to do about that right if you have a specific homogenous group of people um, who are developing artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms um, they might not think, necessarily, to include a larger representation of people within their data set. They might not think to um, test a data set enough to see if its robustness um, will take into account uh, people from all different genders or all different cultures. Um, have you heard of any um, specific ways that engineers uh, are trying to stop this or companies are trying to you know, put a stop to this?
2: Yeah, I mean there are definitely a number of of organizations that have kind of like emerged over the last few years that are are looking into this idea of algorithmic accountability and looking into ways to to actually, you know, like test the data that they get and then and then retest it and retest it. I mean, unfortunately, I don't think anyone has really figured out like the the right way to do it, but there is thankfully work being done in this area as well as just general like more more general awareness of the fact that this is an issue that yes. there are algorithmic biases that because because these algorithms are built by humans and all every single one of us hat we have our biases those biases then get built into these systems and then those systems then reinforce those biases and actually make them stronger so that's why it's really important that you know we we tackle this and by we i mean i mean you you're yeah. the <laughs> i'm i'm just the journalist here i'm not the technologist so please Please fix it. Thank you. Well, honestly,
1: <laughs> I think I think as a journalist, um, you're doing just as much work to bring awareness to this topic, right? And to show um, when issues do arise within the industry, I think that your work is just as valuable, and you know, helping to make a difference. Because I mean, as an engineer, right, um, you have a very limited scope of um, what you're working on potentially and who it might affect in the real world, right? And that's that's a big issue that's also been coming up. A lot um, in society these days, uh, especially within the tech industry, is that um, you know, engineers. When you're working on a problem in engineering, uh, you know, you're looking at uh, you're looking at the data. You're working with it. You're processing it. You're cleaning it. Um, you know, you're putting it uh, through your machine learning learning algorithm, but. It's like, it's such a standardized process for you, right? In a lot of ways, you're just going through the motions and you're not really thinking about, well, who is this gonna affect on the other side, right? Who are the individuals that are potentially going to interact with this thing that I am working on and putting out into the world? And I think, you know, that's not something to necessarily blame engineers about, right? This is something that, I mean, all of us individually, like if, you know, you're doing your job, right? Sometimes you just wanna like clock in, And then, you know, do the thing, clock out and move on. And so I think it's really easy um, for most people just to say, well, okay, that's something that's going to happen or something that could be overlooked. And so that's part of why it's so important too to have individuals that uh, really care and are thinking about, you know, how bias might affect uh, everyone in the world, and they can bring their own life experiences and their own culture with them into the room, right? In you know, in a meeting, um, you know, when you're designing a specific product, when you're thinking about um, the user experience of a product, um, I think those, you know, bringing those experiences and having a really diverse workforce developing the AI um, is, you know, just as valuable as like who's going to touch it and and experience it. Um, I saw a paper recently that uh, talked about um, a study that was done uh, where they asked individuals if they could name uh, any influential women working within artificial intelligence and a large percentage of the groups that were uh, asked this question said they could not. And of the people that said that they could, They actually ended up saying Syria and Alexa uh, (laughs) (laughs) were the individuals that they could name. Yeah. No comment
2: would be a better answer.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. No comment would be a better answer. So, so I guess I'm wondering, um, do you have uh, any any women that you think um, are super influential in artificial intelligence, or that you would think of as role models, or making like you know doing really good work in this industry?
2: I mean. Siri and Alexa are very influential, though, uh, yes, but... Uh, yes, <laughs> Um So, I mean, the, the thing is that I, I guess for me as... I'm, I don't really think of... Really, just anyone. Like, I, I honestly couldn't name you, like, a man or a woman who I think is necessarily influential. Because I guess I, I usually tend to look at it at it from the perspective of how it's being implemented inside of these inside of these companies, and so it's more so just like I, I see it as Google and Facebook and and Uber as opposed to okay, like who's the engineer behind this? Who's really the genius behind this? Behind these these platforms, um, but I would imagine that you know some wonderful names, and I know that uh, Joy from MIT is like I really love I really love her work, and I think that she's amazing. And um, and actually, no, I guess I do have some names, and then Robin Kaplan over at um, Data and Society is super solid. I appreciate her work, so I guess I just named two. So. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I think. You know, Fei-Fei Lee is a really amazing um, woman working within AI as well. Um, her background's from Stanford and um, she specializes in computer vision. Uh, she also launched a nonprofit um, this past year called AI for All, um, which is helping teach young women um, about artificial intelligence and how to do very small projects uh, over summer school programs. So, um, And they're working with some really large uh, universities as well in different parts uh, of the U.S. Um, so I think that's a really exciting project and something that should be noted, um, definitely. And. Um, so I'm wondering then, uh, are there any men who you think are kind of helping to make strides within um, the AI and gender sphere, like that are, you know, actually considering that uh, as something that needs to be um, addressed and, and worked hmm. towards?
2: I mean, not, not off the top of my head, but I mean, I don't know, what, what do you think?
1: So the only person I can think of, and he's not specifically an engineer, he's an entrepreneur, um, Jack Ma. Um, oh, he's the founder of Valibaba. Alibaba. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he's come out several times in talks and said how much he values the women um, at his workplace, that you know he really tries to empower them, and he thinks that women actually are the ones that run the company, like they're the ones that get everything done, and they make sure like... You know, the, the lights are off at the end of the day and he's, um, to him, he's said that we need, we definitely need more diversity in the workforce and we definitely need more women leading in the workforce. So, um, because his company, you know, it's a shopping um, uh, product, but still there is machine learning and AI applied mm-hmm. to that product. And so I think it's valuable uh, that someone, uh, you know, like him would say, would say that and would, you know, try to make a difference. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I guess just even—I I don't know what his words exa- were exactly—but just even the wording around, like, well, like women will get things done and make sure that certain things are taken care of. I mean, one could argue that even that is a sort of sexist viewpoint it's of true, how that's like women true. should kind of like clean up after the men and right. Um, so, but maybe Jack Ma is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, but something earlier you were. Um, you you mentioned and it, it got me thinking of something um of something that i heard at south by southwest just in terms of of the idea of this of this like un, the unintended consequences or the yeah the un, unintended outcomes of of building certain types of technology you were talking about how you know engineers will they'll come into work just kind of put their heads down try to get the job done bust out some code Go home, try to go to sleep, yeah. et cetera, rather then kind of like do it all over again without really you know taking taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture and thinking, okay, well, how could this how could what I'm building here today at Facebook potentially impact the world? How might it impact an election someday? Oh, I don't know, I don't feel like thinking about this, so right. they just like go back yeah. to what they're doing, and next thing you know it's today, and um <laughs> yeah here we are but um this is something that Chelsea Manning spoke to at at South by Southwest she was saying she was talking about the importance of this this does not exist yet, hopefully it will, but um just just how doctors kind of have a code of ethics that software developers also have this code of ethics that that requires them to to think about to think about all of the like you know the wonderful use cases that their technology may bring about, but also like, worst case scenarios like how could this be misused and Chelsea she was saying how you know before before she was in Iraq like um coding over there like she 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 worked at like a marketing firm um but she was saying how like even even with her although those were not her intentions it was like she came in she came she went into Iraq with, like, the same mindset of, like, marketing. I think she, she coined it, like, marketing for death or something. And it's just, like, these, like, everything is just kind of, like, reusable, whether you, you want it to be or not. And in some cases, it's, of course, not, it's not totally in your control. And, gosh, that, okay, now I'm thinking about this. Maybe you all heard about it, but this, this Y Combinator startup called Nectome, and they they want they want to essentially like, assist you in, in your death and then put your brain on ice and save it. And then maybe one day, <laughs> your your brain can be in the cloud or something, or like reused in like maybe some robot down the road in the future. But, yeah, that all sounds great, maybe. <laughs> but uh, but the thing is that, again, it goes back to, okay. Well, someone is building it for this, for this purpose, for this idea today. But I mean, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, like who knows? Like who's going to be in charge? Like what the laws will be around technology? So, you know, if I if I do this, and then let's say I like wake up 100 years from now, like I could be like in a teddy bear, like in that terrifying Mm -hmm. episode of Black Mirror, or like, (laughs) or I could be one of those robot dogs, like murdering everyone. I mean it. You just never know. Uh, I realize I've kind of just like gone off. On
1: a- <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. When it comes to um, AI that you've seen, I mean, especially as a reporter, right? You get access to all the latest companies and you know, kind of what's really hot in the media right now. Um, do you think that any any large companies are like really trying to make a difference in this area that they like? Either want to help bring out gender biases from our society, or um, they want to change the structure of the way um, AI is being built today because of our gender norms.
2: Um, I guess in terms of like thinking of you know the big the big companies like FANG, Facebook, no, Uh, (laughs) um, Amazon. I guess they have their cash cashierless stores. You could say that they're trying to extract gender, but I don't think that's really a um, top of mind for them right now. Um, Netflix, like not so much. Google slash Alphabet. Um, yeah, I I don't I don't really see that as being a big. A big concern for them right now. It should be, but I don't. I mean, for these companies, it always comes down, comes back down to their um, their bottom lines. Though diversity is, of course, good for business, and which has been shown time and time again. But for some reason, there's still this disconnect between, um, you know, like seeing the the facts and the studies, and then actually like implementing change.
1: Why do you think the change is so hard to implement at these large companies who, like, most of them take on this motto, right, of, like, move fast, break things, you know, agile, um... Like, why is it taking them so long to catch up with diversity and sexism in the workforce? I mean, we just had that Google employee. I don't remember his name. That's probably for the best. Yes. Um, who, <laughs> who put out that manifesto about uh, his you know, female engineer um, counterparts. And it's like, why, why hasn't this sunk in yet in an environment that's supposed to be so innovative and kind of beyond um, the traditional world?
2: yeah i wish I wish I knew I knew the answer to that um and and I think just what's also interesting regarding what what's been happening with Google over the last few months is that it's not even so so this guy he, he was fired um but Google also fired someone for um, like for speaking positively. About diversity and inclusion. I mean, it's not as simple as that, but um, that's essentially the gist. And it's, I think, Google's argument was that, okay, like, yes, diversity and inclusion is important, but like, when it gets in the way of like work and how much time you're spending, like, talking about these issues at work on work platforms, then that's when it becomes a problem. yeah, I don't I don't know like I I get that but and I don't know I mean it's like of course we have like free speech and this and that and blah 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 and like people are entitled to having like their own views and opinions and like like who's is, who's is google to say like okay well like no like hey you're wrong you're right um like it's it's definitely complicated but I think even just outside of that issue and just in terms of in terms of just diversity and inclusion in in tech as a whole it's it's this issue around like even though there are plenty talented diverse people out there that it's you know in these in these work environments where there is all this toxicity it's i mean it can be hard to want to stick around and if like if if you're not feeling supported if you're not feeling seen it can be um, really discouraging, and, um, so although, like, there is definitely, um, there are, like, lower numbers of, of people of color, of, of women, of LGBTQ people, of people with disabilities in the, in the tech workforce, um, the, the way that the system is set up right now, it's not, like, it's not set up to support them, and, um, but i guess but I guess we were I don't know, but why that's not changing i mean i I'm definitely optimistic that we're like heading that companies are heading in the right direction, but um just not fast enough like I always um i know, i've I've said this a few times, but I think that you know tech companies should just fire everyone and start over <laughs> and just you know like hire the right way from the beginning and um because it, it can be hard to backtrack, you know, because, like, these these companies are now so incredibly large. Um, and that even if you do, say, like, hire, like, 100, 200 black people, like, still the over like, at Google, let's say, still the overall percentage would be, like, maybe, like, 3.5% black as opposed to 3. So it's, yeah, the changes are, it's going to be a little while, unfortunately,
1: but... That is unfortunate. I hope that startups um, kind of can get this in their mind then. If if the large tech companies aren't able to do it, um, I really hope that they can embrace that uh, opportunity for, for diversity and for kind of setting the stage in the culture of their company very early so that once they do start uh, developing products that change the world and potentially would get um, acquired or... Um, you know, by one of these large tech companies, or um, you know, if they go public, that uh, people can have a say, and the products actually work for everyone um, out there. Um, I'm curious, uh, are there any specific AI products you've seen, like just catered towards women um, versus men, or in um, hmm. any AI
2: products that cater toward women?
1: Um, So like a really good example of uh, an AI product that's catered mostly towards men um, And this is a little risque, but they have now uh, those AI sex dolls. Um, If you haven't seen the videos, they're um, very um, I haven't seen Just to be clear, I have not Well, okay, (laughs) I didn't mean those videos Uh, The the entrepreneur that's developing them um, is uh, obviously going after a very specific market, but he's putting some um, really incredible technology uh, into this product and it's obviously focused on men in the porn industry, which is a huge industry, right, you know, he's in it to make money, so it makes sense. Um, But, you know, oftentimes, that's why a lot of technology gets developed, right, because that's where the money is and so that's why oftentimes certain products have catered to men um, before women, right. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, Viagra is a product that's really big in the industry um, because, you know, Men will pay for it, and it's something that they've wanted for a really long time. And they were the ones making making the pills oftentimes in the pharmaceutical industry. So um, in tech, it's interesting uh, to see some companies that have really uh, popped up recently uh, that are putting women first um, that I can appreciate. Um, There's one company called Clue, um, which is actually a period tracking app. Um, and it does have machine learning and AI built into the background and it's something that um, I think is incredibly valuable And I'm glad to see that, you know, they have gotten to the point where they are now They're becoming more successful and really trying to expand all around the world and uh, you know uh, So that's why I'm, I'm wondering if yeah, yeah,
2: I was actually gonna mention Clue's competitor. Oh, yeah <laughs> Oh, um, I
1: see. <laughs> and What
2: what's I won't make a judgment about it, yeah. but so Clue's founded by women, Flow's founded by men. Mm. Um, so just that's that, but um, <laughs> but yeah, but Flow is actually I really like Flow a lot more than Clue. I feel like it's um, yeah, it's it just it has the the interf- it's it comes down to like interface and just like. I guess, just personal style. I mean, they both they both let me know when I'm about to start bleeding. So, right. I mean, that's that's <laughs> essentially what it's there for. For me, I'm not looking to get pregnant or anything, and maybe I'm, like, sharing too much about my personal life. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so there's, yeah, so Flow and Clue and, um, yeah, well, I guess, yeah, I guess the, the other startups I'm thinking about now are actually just a little less AI-related. But, yeah, I mean, there, there are definitely some that, that are popping up um, just more around like women's health.
1: Definitely, definitely. Well, I think um, those are really great examples, right, of how AI is being developed today. And um, uh, I think also really interestingly, um, it's important to look at how AI has been developed in the past and the depictions of women um, within those AI products, right? And, And I'm even thinking back to like, the 1980s, right, when you think of like the Jetsons mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the, I think her name was Rosie the robot that was meant to, to clean the house and be the servant to the family and I think that um, even for a while, uh, up until recently, uh, a lot of AI products like, you know, Alexa and so on um, that embody these roles of like servitude or, you know, being administrative assistants or, you Um, you know, these kind of catering uh, aspects um, that have been commonly associated with the female role or the female personality. Um, You know, they're often given female names or um, the way that they're pictured is, you know, in a very sexualized manner. And so, um, yeah, I'm wondering, what do you think about that, like, and and are is there like a, a juxtaposition with um when men are kind of embodied within an ai like um do you think that they're pictured as like tougher or do they take on that very masculine um persona um yeah yeah
2: um i was actually talking to my mom about this earlier today um she uh, i mean she's like She's super like tech savvy and and whatnot, but she was talking about um, how she recently changed the voice of of Siri, um, like from female to male. Yeah. Um, she <laughs> she said something. I won't tell you exactly what she said about why she changed the the voice, but um, uh, it's but so the reason why I'm bringing this up is because she brought up the point that, well, if, if it's, if it's a man's voice, if it's a male voice, then is that also, does that remind people of the patriarchy? And does that feel, does that make it seem like, oh, well, like this man is like demanding that you do something. Um, And maybe actually some women might feel like more comfortable just like hearing from another woman. But then of course, if it's, I feel like it depends on the recipient, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and but then, of course, like the the issue with having these these female voices, like you said, it it kind of like reinforces these these stereotypes and like these like old school roles of like, oh well, like women are here to are here to help you to serve you, like that sort of thing. Um, and I'm trying to think, like, who are some like male male AIs that are that, that start off male, I guess, and like the default is male?
1: Yeah, um, so the one that I can think of uh, that comes, I think, most readily to my mind is uh, the robot HAL. Um, from like the the 1980 Space Odyssey movie. Like he was super domineering and like supposed to be this kind of ultra-intelligence, right? Or um, I'm thinking also about um, that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, where Terminator, where he comes in and like destroys uh, the world, right? And that's kind of a different situation because he was male to begin with but then uh, becomes a cyborg. Um, but he's still depicted in this very, uh, you know, kind of stereotypical masculine way. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I think I think that's, that's also interesting for men um, because if you're not, like, if you don't necessarily identify with those, you know, male gender stereotypes as a man, um, you know, and this is, like, what you're shown as, like, your future or how you should, um, you know, carry yourself or behave in the world, I think that could also be... Uh, a big concern um, for those individuals than you know, the fact that they're not necessarily represented within the story or the archetype of um, what the future would be like with AI. Um, so that's something I would be super concerned about as well. Well, so back on the note of um, uh, potentially having a male voice feel domineering, right, mm-hmm. uh, from a robot um, versus a female voice. Um, one of the big concerns that I've heard also brought up several times is, uh, so young children interacting with some of these devices, right, these um, AIs, especially Alexa um, or Siri, oftentimes when a kid is brought up talking to this device, right, they're, they're almost like yelling at it, right? They're, they're barking commands at it. They're saying, you know. You know, Alexa, tell me what the weather is. Or you know, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's and it's. Um, I think that in a lot of ways, it's like predisposing children uh, to the idea that you can just boss around a woman, right? That that's what they're there for is to do that, to do that role, and to um, you know take on a specific task. And um, and I appreciate that you brought up that your mom uh, changed. The, the gender voice um, of her Siri. And actually, I got really excited when, uh, do you know the company x.ai? Yeah. Yes, yeah, I got super excited when I found out that you could uh, opt for a male uh, administrative assistant instead mm. of a female. And so I use Andrew as my, yes. <laughs> <laughs> as my administrative assistant instead. Um, because I think that that is important to, to show that people can be both um, you know, no matter, no matter what gender you are. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. It's, it's funny. I, um, I got my, my roommate, um, a Google home for, I guess it was for Christmas or something. And, um, so it's really our Google home. I kind of got it for myself, but, you know, told her it was for her. (laughs) Um, and sometimes, like sometimes her, her boyfriend will, will come over this, like, tall cis man tall cis white man and i will, will sometimes just it's funny he started off as like very aggressive with her and both my roommate and i were like why are you being so mean like to this to this little robot woman um and but then over time he's like oh okay google like could you please tell me the weather okay thank you <laughs> so i think it's i think it's still possible to train people how to be just polite humans just to any to anything to anyone um so I'm not it's like I'm not I'm not too worried about about the kids I think if you know they can just learn to be polite in general then maybe they won't they won't be so bad but
1: yeah, not all parents are good at teaching manners, though, yeah. <laughs> in this day and age. Um, so do you think that uh, that individual would not have taken it upon themselves to, like, calm down and be more respectful uh, to the robot if, if you hadn't or your roommate hadn't said something?
2: I think it was necessary that we intervened. Yeah. <laughs> in <that. laughs> I'm not sure if he would have gotten there on his own. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe he would have, but, um, yeah. Yeah, someone's gotta stand up for the the robots and the AI, you know?
1: Yeah, especially if that is like um, the next version of, of us, right? And I think um, the idea that you even uh, give gender to an AI at all, right? Like that, obviously as people, um, we're incredibly vain, right? Because we want to uh, take our image and put it on everything else, um, but uh, yeah, the, the idea that you would even give gender uh, to an AI I think is is really interesting and something that um, really tells us more about who we are right right now in this day and age than potentially what the future is going to be like. Uh,
2: yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. We don't, companies don't need to give these, um, these artificial and intelligence assistance names, but I think it's—I don't know—maybe it's some sort of psychological thing where, like, they think that we we needed to feel as as human and as natural as possible in order to get us like feeling comfortable and like willing to use the technology. Because I mean, like, if—I mean, I guess I'm just imagining like if the uh, if the Alexa or if the like the Echo device like didn't wasn't just like a nice little like. Beautiful looking. It's not that actually pretty, but if it wasn't just like a very. Um, it's it's non-threatening, you know. Um, but you know, depending on how you package it and like what you call it, um, like it could it could potentially feel less welcoming. And so I feel like this whole these like naming conventions and ascribing gender to these to these inan- inanimate objects is just about getting us. I don't know, trying to like sell us on like comfort, essentially, in some in some weird way.
1: Yeah, I think there were studies that were done specifically um, looking at um, how an individual react reacts to a female versus a male voice mm-hmm. coming from something like an automated system. Um, I think they uh, first looked at this um, from GPS, mm-hmm. and then, of course, as uh, these chatbots and um, Home assistants have become more prolific. They've uh, started to study this as well um, from these devices and. Individuals say, uh, they report that um, they personally find a female vo- voice more comforting and more welcoming, but um, the studies also showed that their actual physical reaction to it and their interaction with it did not change um, based on the voice that was coming out of this machine. And so um, I think there is a difference between the perception people have and actual reality you know, in their interaction with um, these beings, so um, I wonder why that is, why people are, think they're more comfortable um, with a female voice, especially if you consider um, Oftentimes, women are judged more heavily on their voice and the way they speak, if they um, have a really squeaky voice for example or uh, a very rough voice oftentimes. times. Um, It'll cause you know uh, problems for them in the workplace or in their day-to-day lives, and so um, yeah, I'm curious why why they would think that.
2: Yeah, there was um, earlier this week, uh, Y Combinator, the Silicon Valley accelerator, had their uh, had their demo day, and there was this one company called um, Molly, mm-hmm. um, and the in in their pitch, they were talking about how they were able to do something to make her voice sound like really natural, but it sounded really inappropriate. Oh. <laughs> I, mean, I remember being there with um. I, I remember like because I was there with some of my colleagues and. When we heard it, we all just kind of, like, gave each other that look, like, what is going on? Like, this sounds bad. So was uh, it,
1: like, was it breathy? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's like, people don't really sound like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where you're getting that from, but uh, but they're like, like, look how, like, hear how real she sounds, and it's like, this is gonna be really, this, like, this will be misused. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that company, but right, um, yeah, I guess I don't know maybe people will really like it, you know. Right. So
1: maybe like certain
2: you know markets and
1: definitely use yes. cases. So definitely. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking also, um, are there any examples where like AI and machine learning has specifically shown um, problems within? Uh, our gender uh, stereotypes in society, like, um, or even interactions with products that um, have gone wrong because a data set wasn't necessarily trained for women. Uh, Going back to the GPS, for example, um, when the GPS first uh, came out, women couldn't interact with it because the GPS couldn't understand their voices because it hadn't been trained with enough women uh, talking to it, right, and and practicing with it. So um, I don't know if if you can think of any. Yeah, um, I
2: can I can think of a, a number from the from the racial lens. Yeah. Um, one one example, and I feel like this is like a very accessible example. So you um, and th- this video went viral, so maybe you all have seen it. Um, but you know you you go to a public bathroom you stick your hand under to try to get soap um, in in this video there's um, there's an african American person they they stick their hand under waiting for soap, no soap still waiting no soap <laughs> and uh, and then it shows um, a white person like put their hand under and it's just like soap for days and it's <laughs> Like just like even in like you wouldn't think that a soap dispenser would be racist, right. but I mean, <laughs> and maybe it's not racist, but it's biased. It wasn't trained. It was trained with very biased, incomplete data, and then that's what that's what you get. And I remember actually, this was this was maybe in like the last few months, like after this after that video went viral, and um, I was in a public bathroom and. <laughs> I tried to get soap and or maybe it was the uh, or it was like the paper towel dispenser it was one of those things um and it was not working for me and I just remember feeling like so embarrassed and ashamed and um I just like didn't want anyone to see that it was happening to me um and then there was this there was this um white woman next to me and she was just like sorry about that and I was just like <laughs> but I mean I yeah it was just like this and it just I don't know it's so I don't know kind of just like messed up that like then I'm the one who like feels that shame where it's like it's really it's not my fault it's just like it was built that way and there were severe oversights and yeah lack of thinking so yeah definitely
1: and i imagine a lot of women could probably um feel the same way as you right they could empathize that situation if they've encountered a product that wasn't necessarily created with them in mind right Mm -hmm. and i think it's easier for women oftentimes as well to like you know say oh well you know it wasn't built for me or it wasn't you know i wasn't Mm -hmm. in the room when this You know when this was developed Um, and only recently now are women finally starting to stand stand up and say hey um, you know I need to be in the room Mm because this could cause problems and could affect people in the future could affect my daughter could affect my son right and I don't want them necessarily living in a world where um, you know this could happen to them and so I'm sure you feel the same way yeah yeah Yeah, it's kind of scary to think about <laughs> yeah, um, and so uh, when it comes to developing a product that really encompasses gender for everyone, um, I'm wondering, like, what would be some really specific pieces um, of gender, you know, across all genders, um, that it would be good for companies to consider um, in the development of their products
2: what do you mean exactly
1: yeah so like so not just um differences in our actual sexuality Mm -hmm. um but like so women uh, for example you know the whole person rather than just this stereotype right women i know for myself personally like depending on you know, the day of the week, or where I'm at my cycle, or whatever, like I'm I'm a very different person, right? And and um, I also identify as non-binary, um, cause like some days, honestly, like I feel super, super femmy, and other days, like I, I walk and talk and act like a man, like I'm just, you know, that's my mindset, um, and so, and I feel like that's more common uh, than people think, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that just is, you know? And I feel the same way for those that were born men or those that were born trans or, you know, that identify in any place on the spectrum. Um, and so I'm wondering if like, if we could give advice to companies to consider all genders, like what would be some key key aspects that you think it would be really valuable for them to take into consideration, um, just based on your experience of the world?
2: Yeah. Um Sorry, so I, so I guess you mean just like in terms of in developing products, like essentially what it is that they need to to keep in mind in order to be inclusive yes. of a people of all different backgrounds, essentially. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there. Well, for one, there are a number of organizations that do like really good work um, around around this. So specifically in in the tech industry there's there's project include they um, yeah they have they've come out with like a number of recommendations around um, around gender, around sexuality, around race, and as it pertains to startups to venture capital to um, to the actual like tech workforce. Um, and and also and in, in just kind of as you were, some, some something you mentioned earlier um just about like empathy and that that's actually like for me the the coolest use case of virtual reality is you know to like put on a headset and live like and li- like be in someone else's shoes like be in someone else's shoes who's different from you um I remember the the guardian did something um in partnership with a criminal justice organization, and it was this experience around solitary confinement. And so you like put on your headset, and then you were just in a six by nine room, and like you heard like the sounds of of the prison, and like the people yelling, and like you saw the bars and and all and all of that. So I mean, so I yeah, so I guess to, to answer that question, I mean it would be to yeah to try to. Put themselves in the shoes of other people and VR could be yeah a good a good tool for that for sure
1: right. <clears throat> definitely and I think AI could also help with that um specifically because if you're if you're looking at data from you know from all different genders and all different groups of people um and also across cultures right because a woman's or man, man's experience in one culture could be incredibly different from that of another culture, right? Um, in in many cultures, especially in Europe, um, it's almost more okay for a man to be, you know, a little bit more feminine, right? Maybe like metrosexual, very uh, caring about, you know, how they look, how they uh, present themselves in the world. And, and I think also in relationships, right? I think it's more common for um, men to have really good friendships with other men, right, and like, and say I love you and hug or like kiss on the cheek and, you know, and it's not, you know, a sexual thing at all, like it's just, you know, a a familial, like familiarity kind of experience, right, um, between men in other places versus like here in the U.S., right, um, it's, you're expected to be a certain way and then if you step out of those bounds then, you know, people think you're gay or, you know, that there's something wrong with you and, um, I think that uh, it's really important that when you're considering gender across all lines, um, that you're also taking into account that like culture has to be part of that conversation too, right? And you've also you know brought up a lot like you know just ethnicity and, and diversity within tech in general, and so. You know, I'm sure the experience of a black man is is much different than the experience of a white man in this world. And so if you can actually take that data and and show that in a way like and I'm and I guess it's hard because you you have to consider a lot about individuals privacy uh, when working with large data sets uh, or data, mm-hmm. anyone's data, really. Um, and so, so what could that actually tell you about an individual's experience in the world? And how could you aggregate all of that information into a format that um, you know, a machine learning algorithm or an AI could actually learn from it in a way that's representative of not just someone's gender but also their nationality? Um, I think that that uh, would be incredibly valuable.
2: Yeah, that that definitely would be yeah I mean just that that intersectional data you know um, but but again yeah it it can get tricky with with privacy concerns and um, and also I mean it's just I feel like Facebook has done nothing to help people feel <laughs> safe in like sharing their data so um, maybe now's not the right time for that but but um, <laughs> um, you know there are these concerns that like oh my god robots and AI they're gonna you know they're gonna like take over and take our jobs or just yes. just all of this and um, yeah I guess cause you recently gave a talk on that right and and essentially you're you're kind of like somewhere like in the middle like there's yeah you're in, you're in the middle of those of those sides
1: yeah of those opinions yeah. um, if if robots are gonna take our jobs right. and. Um, what that world is going to be like in the future. Um, So I think that that is a really important concept. And I think that's also important um, when you consider it from a gender perspective um, and an ethnic perspective, right? Because you have people like uh, Elon Musk, right, CEO of Tesla, saying, you know, artificial intelligence is incredibly dangerous and it's potentially more dangerous than nuclear weapons, right, like he's using a lot of uh, big scare tactics, right, which is common for, for bigwig CEOs to do. And, um, you know, the studies have actually shown, there was a study uh, um, in the UK actually uh, by a well-known university there that basically found that in the year 2015, artificial intelligence did um, remove a lot of jobs, specifically. They removed jobs that were monotonous and tedious and, um, you know, didn't pay very much, like, you know, these were the jobs that were low-skilled and low-wage, but it also created many, many, many more jobs um, than the ones that uh, it, you know, it destroyed, and those jobs uh, paid about 13,000 more per year than the ones that um, were gotten rid of, right? And so, in a way, I think that that's, that's valuable, right? That shows that, yes, there's job loss, um, which has been done, you know, which has been uh, an issue of every industrial revolution, right? They're saying that this new wave of automation and artificial intelligence is the fourth wave of an industrial revolution. And so we've seen this happen before. This isn't the first time that something like this has happened. Um, but if you consider the, uh, the type of jobs that are um, destroyed, right? there are four individuals that are going to have a hard, harder time recovering um, in the future because of this job loss, right? They're for people that are farmers, that are factory workers, um, people that uh, don't necessarily have the opportunity to switch to something that um, is more knowledge work or creative work. And so um, I think also on a gender, um, with a gender lens, right, if if women oftentimes are the ones that are stuck um, cleaning up after everyone else, um, and not necessarily the first you think of uh, when you think of like you know people that are changing the world and making a difference and and um, you know the heads of these large companies, for example. Um, what is it going to mean for them in, in their experience in the future as they're you know trying to climb the ladder and trying to to adapt to this new world as well?
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the podcast for CIIS Public Programs. Audio production was supervised by Lyle Barrere at Desired Effect. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe on iTunes or visit our website at ciis.edu podcast.